Most owners think of returns, refunds, and exchanges as a necessary evil, but it doesn't have to be that way. If done well, they could be a huge conversion trigger for your customers. Did you know that 91% of shoppers say they consider a store's return policy before placing an order? That's kind of crazy. So why do you hate it? Because it's a time-consuming pain, right? Plus they're a potential customer service nightmare. Well, not anymore. Bold makes a great app for managing the entire returns process. It's called the Bold Returns Manager, and it gives your customers a portal where they can submit returns, track them through the process, and it gives you a portal where you can review, approve, decline, and manage everything about them. You create all your policies that you want to allow, whether it's returns or exchanges, credits, whatever, and then apply it to what product should have that policy, and you're set. It's got a great backend for managing all the returns, making notes on them, and statuses that automatically keep your customers updated along the way. So stores are always trying to find better ways to compete, more than just on price. And a solid return policy and a smooth way to implement it is a great alternative to competing on price. Especially if you're in fashion and apparel, you know returns are such a big factor. So the Bold Returns Manager app has thought of everything. And if you're ready to take your returns to the next level, you need to try it. You can try it out for free for two months by heading to ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores, like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. So I just ordered a valet tray. Yeah, I know you did. All you do is order valet trays. I love valet trays. I think it's the perfect gift. I get them for pop-off leather, and they uh, and they do free monogramming. Who can't benefit from a valet tray? I don't need a valet tray. Why not? What? So here's my situation. I didn't know I needed a valet tray until Michael Perry from Kit sent me one, and I love it. I want everyone else to know this joy of organization. If they and I get home. And after dinner, usually I'll go put on my pajamas so the pants come off. But before that, my pants pockets barf onto my dresser. Everything comes out of the pockets. It's like wallet, my everyday carry awesome knife, and my keys, my chapstick, and uh, my jewelry, watch, whatever. It's all this goes all over the dresser. Now with the valet tray, it all gets neatly organized into a supple leather valet tray on my dresser. And so I think this is the perfect gift for anyone who has pockets. And so I, I often, I have spent the last three months gifting valet trays, especially personalized valet trays from Pop-Off Leather. They do free personalizing, so I put the initials on there. Did Pop-Off Leather pay you for this? Uh, no, I, but I, I should send him an invoice. No. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a brand evangelist. Okay. Don't get me whatever the, your tray is for, your, my, for my birthday. Your birthday's coming up. I need... Birthday gift ideas from people since you won't accept a glorious valet tray. Because what do you do? You 
Where are your pockets barfing? Or do you just not change pants? Well, here's the thing. I only have three things in my pocket. Okay. Keys, wallet, phone. The keys and wallet go on my gigantic kitchen island that is very, very large. Uh, And the phone is, of course, constantly in my paw or within paw reaching distance. And that's it. They take up a little five inch by five inch square of my giant kitchen island and I'm fine. This is, it's, it's like paperweights. Right. You know how like we needed to have paperweights for many years and all of a sudden people kind of don't need them anymore because like apparently paper was just f- flying around people's offices so they need well, to be we held down. Well, we didn't have pre-air conditioning. You know, the windows open and like big GE cut your fingers off fans. In when? 1957? Yeah. Oh, the I, paperweights stayed around for far longer. You're right. I I have a lot of tchotchkes on my desk, but there is distinctly no paperweight. Are we working al fresco? Is that why? So... I don't think I don't feel like the stuff that was in your pocket is like flying around your house now, and it's like, oh, thank God, I got this valet tray. Also, you don't have a valet. If what? you had a valet, if you had a British man named Jeeves, the tray is the valet. <laughs> if you had a British man who was known only by his first name, he, you could have a valet tray. This is my a British valet, man known only by Bentley his last Farnsworth. name is he's like your driver, but first name is a is a butler or a valet. Okay, so my valet is Nick, but then my driver is it'd be Mr. Like, Jones. First, it'd be Nicholas. Nicholas? Yeah, Sorry. you couldn't. Yeah, come on, Nick. Who the hell's Nick the valet? You said driver. Nick and the I valet is like tale. a guy that murders people for the mob. Okay, Nick the valet. <laughs> Are you related to this gentleman? He lives in he lives in Elwood Park. I, know I was him. like, no matter what, it's like, oh, I got to talk to my cousin. We're talking about mortgages, you're like, oh, my cousin Tony. Do you have like a used car guy? I don't. I have one. <laughs> There's that's literally the only family connection of a person I need to talk to. That's still funny every time for me. No, all I have in terms of relatives is attorney, an attorney. I got a mortgage broker for you. I got a funeral guy for you. Oh, those are the three things I got. Those all come in handy. Yeah, right. That's all very, very useful. Uh, so how was that wedding you went to this weekend? Last weekend, we stayed downtown. Because it was just like too much of a pain in the ass to go back and forth. The main thing was the, uh, so there was like, during my days when I used to work downtown, there was like an adult video and bookstore on Hubbard. And for those of you that don't live in Chicago, like this is an extremely wealthy area of the city. It was incongruous. It's all high-end hotels. All the restaurants are all, you know, fancy, small plates, bullshits, and... But it just smack dab in the middle of this is like a sad one-story structure that's a 24-hour adult video store. And it's like, how is this place still open? Like, what is the clientele? You know, regular people. I don't know. I looked Business on, travelers. I looked on Google. They have very good reviews. <laughs> well, that's how they survived. I think it's one of those things. You just need to be last man standing. <laughs> like you had to weather the storm when e-commerce was disrupting that industry, and they just outlasted everybody. Keep costs low, last man standing. They control the market. Yeah, maybe. I think probably the most exciting thing I did all weekend was we tried uh, the Impossible Burger, the yeah. entirely non-meat burger patty. Yeah, I'm willing to give that a shot. I was skeptical, and I couldn't believe it. The thing looks, smells, tastes like a burger patty. If I if you didn't tell me, I would have had zero idea. I've heard enough positive reviews from people that I fully believe them. It was cool. I was really quite impressed by a fake burger patty. Yeah, I think that was... I did a whole bunch of stuff this weekend. That's the most exciting thing that happened to me. Changed my life. I'm a vegetarian now. 
Uh, sure, just like how you're a guy that uses a standing desktop now. Note, Kurt is no longer using a standing desk. The standing desk experiment did not last long. That didn't work. But I am still a vegetarian. We're on day three. <laughs> I'll keep updating you. And my wife's on board with it. So if it's the two of us. So on the on our, our topics today, we've got a wonderful grab bag of listener questions. And I'm we're gonna start with Rory Orchard, who says, For stores that haven't got a brand following yet and are trying to make their first few sales, should the homepage be a squeeze page or should this be left up to the product page? Either way, a good understanding of the basics of building a squeeze page in Shopify with sections or another method to start validating products, businesses early on would be great content for a show. Uh, yes, Paul, I see you have your hand up. What's a squeeze page? Squeeze page is, I believe, a synonym for landing page, but specifically, the squeeze page is like you've got an offer and they're, the only thing you can do is go one step further into the offer. There's no, there's no navigation. There's nothing. It is just call to action to get you in. So I, I'm going to say squeeze page and landing page we should use alternatively or interchangeably, but I think squeeze page would almost assuredly have some urgency element. I don't like that, the concept of that being the only thing to start off with. I think if you're trying to build an... If you're starting at zero, you're trying to build an audience, it's a good system. I disagree because I feel like if people don't know anything about you and this is their first, if their first interaction with you is via a squeeze page, that is, that feels shady to me. Like you're some fly by night operation. I like the idea of, I think there it depends being, on what you're selling. I think it, I, I like, it's like a full, it's like a full blown website. Again, I think we've underrated, I think a conclusion we've come to that we've like realized in the p past few months is that, engendering user confidence is underrated in our business engendering user confidence in the business itself not even necessarily in the product you yeah you have to generate trust and i think that's where social proof comes into play ultimately the issue have e-commerce merchants have anyone selling something online has is the person even if they go yeah i want to buy that they can always say but i could just buy it later so you need something to create engender urgency or scarcity. Oh, I get that. The core question here is, should the homepage or the product page be the squeeze page? I Well, if the homepage is the product page, you just have a one-page website. Yeah. I think the answer is is neither. You just create a land a separate independent landing page that sells your product as a squeeze page and then you could send campaign traffic to that. That being said, I do like the idea of having a one-page store. That's it's always sweet. That's always very sexy to me. Yeah. Because it's just like, oh, you got it all in one page. And then at the end of the page, it's just like, here you go. Buy it. Then and then like you could just optimize that page till the end of the earth. They're very effective. I think the, the utter master of this is Ramit Sethi. Each one of his products is a single, long, like unbelievably long landing page that you scroll through. Um, and they're... I mean, he's he's successful. I assume that the the landing pages are successful as well. He seems like a sophisticated marketer. And actually, the way I interact with him most is I follow him on Instagram, 
And he really does these very involved sales pitches via Instagram stories. The whole thing, it's quite clever. And there's a lot of social proof where he's like including screenshots of replies and comments. It's cool. To answer Rory's question, I don't know why. It, it's not mutually exclusive. Like it doesn't have to be a homepage. It doesn't have to be a product page. If you're, the goal is build a traditional squeeze page, I would use something like Zipify Pages and just build out one landing page and then test variations on that. And when once you know what works, okay, then start moving. You could take elements of that and move those into a homepage or a product page. It doesn't have to be quite so black and white. And the you know, Shopify theme is not going to start in a place where it's, hey, this is a landing page, whereas Zipify Pages has templates that are going to get you much closer to this outcome. Well, you could kind of do it with um, like the details page that comes with Turbo or any kind of pages that have like sections ability. You can do a good, you could do a pretty good one, I think. It would be easier for us if you're just starting essentially with like a blank slate and you don't have a ton of experience oh, yeah. building a if store. We were, yeah. You tear your hair out. Yeah, if we were building one, that's different. Does that? I think that answers the question. Sure. Adam Watson asks, so Kurt, if you were to start a store, what niche would you start in? This is a excellent and thought-provoking question. I don't have an answer as to niche, but I have... I have thought about it. I know what things I'd want. I don't want it. Number one, I do not want to carry inventory. It is the bane of merchant's existence. And I don't necessarily want to drop ship. So I want to do, I want to make my money through info products. Uh, print on demand, I'll accept. See, I think you can't say info products. That's cheating. Why? Because that's cheating. That's but what like about, a- a, like, there are successful Shopify stores that do info products, like the contract shop. I took that as being cheating. The contract shop is cheating. No, being a I'm just saying, thinking like, well, I just sell like courses or whatever. I'm like, that's cheating. Like, yeah. that's not that's not what I. I user mean, technically, base. I already do that now. Yeah, I have a Shopify You're store. You're not that starting a Shopify store. Okay, so it has to be a physical product. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm going print on demand all day. All right, but I not necessarily like uh, every. When you think print on demand, you think T-shirts. Think outside the box. I just purchased from a store um, that does. They're doing print on demand phone cases. And that seemed like a, a great idea. Like, they've got the design. They've got four different kinds of case you could print on. And when you check out, you pick, this is my phone, this is my case, this is the design, go. And then a day later, they've already shipped it to you. I couldn't think of anything. And then I, my brain percolated it on, on this all weekend. And I have three thoughts. All right. Number one, what's my number one rule of commerce? Oh, people always have money for... Their kids, their pets, and God. So faith. Yes. Those are the three things, no matter what the economy, no matter what's happening, people will spend inordinate amount of money on their kids, their pets. So in thinking of that, I was thinking maybe like a single like pet item, like a dog treat or something that I would then just blow out the moon with content marketing about how like fancy and good for you this is and all that sort of stuff. But it's like a single product. That's like, I was like a dog treat. I don't know. That's what I pulled out of my ass. And this is bad because I'm like, so all the stuff I'm about to say is totally breaking our own rules of you should only get involved in things that it's like, you're, it's kind of solving your own pain or problem or like a thing that you're really interested in. It's like, I'm not interested in dog treats, but I think that that's something that could make money on if you market it correctly and has good margins. 
Two, I was thinking uh, an accessory for something. That's smart. Something that people are, are already buying and then like a low-cost accessory that I could sell with a very large margin. Like those little pop cap things on the back of iPhones. Brilliant. Yep, like watch straps. Excellent. Uh, iPhone cases is obviously horrifically... It's very <laughs> saturated. Saturated, Don't not iPhone cases. But something like that where it's like people are already spending a couple hundred dollars on something. I'm going to sell them a $30 thing that makes their thing that they already bought better you sell and that way you're not inventing a category no one has to understand it you're not building a new niche or audience yep like you don't want to hamstring yourself and make your life hard so uh i've got the stabilized camera i love the dji osmo pocket i there is a whole that thing came out this year there are already tons of accessories for it and i've already purchased some of them yeah so i bought the camera does not attach to a tripod and i needed a threaded tripod mount for a couple of things and so someone sells like just a piece of CNC machined aluminum that attaches to the camera and then has just a threaded mount on it. Well, this thing could not have cost much to make, but it's like $15. Yeah. It's just a piece of anodized metal or powder coated, whatever. That That's perfect. And that's easy to target. You could find, especially for stuff like hobbyist stuff where you could find a forum, you could find an audience, you could target by interest on Facebook. That, like, out the gate, that's great. And that's also some of the things that work well on Kickstarter. Uh, so that one. And then the last one was we had a client years ago that sold socks, but the socks were, like, sports branded, but not. Oh. I don't yeah. remember what the name of the business was. Skyline Socks. Skyline Socks. And it was genius because what they did was it was, like, the skyline of the city on the socks, and then the two colors of the socks were the color of, like, the most prominent team in the city. So like the Chicago skyline on a pair of socks, the socks are red and black because they're bull socks, but they're not bull socks because they didn't give the Chicago, Chicago bulls or the NBA any money whatsoever. But it's understood when you're wearing them, those are bull socks. And it's like the Denver one was like yellow and blue for the nuggets or whatever. So it's like, I think that is genius because then you Facebook market to the fans of those teams. You sell those socks, obviously at a good margin because they're freaking socks and you get that halo of like, oh, these are your, this is like your cool team apparel socks, but you're not giving any money to the teams and didn't have to license it. All you're doing is using two colors. Yes. Yeah. Anytime I see that, I always think that's very clever where it's like you're, you're dancing around the licensing issue in a completely legitimate way. Yeah. And so I always liked that. I always thought that guy should have made a ton of money. I assume they do. I don't know if they did. That was many years ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Skyline. We haven't seen them in a while. Sorry we just stole your idea, but... <laughs> and steal anything just like how you're stealing from the nba the i'm not what, what am i stealing from the nba <laughs> i'm talking to them oh the i think they're fine i think they'll be okay yeah yeah the nba will be fine they'll make it <laughs> the typical uh, he said what niche would you start in i it would have to be something i feel passionate about yeah otherwise it's like it, it, working on it becomes a chore please note that this entire previous answer was me being a complete monster and you should not listen to me like that and should do things that you like really care about. Not like, oh, I think this is a good idea that'll make some money. Cause if that's the way you're going into it, you're probably not going to do it. Yeah. This, this business works. This podcast works because my passion for the last 15 years or more has been entrepreneurship. I love entrepreneurship. I love talking about it, teaching it, helping people with it. That is my driving passion. So that's what makes this so easy to do. Recording an hour-long podcast is fun because we're talking about entrepreneurship and enabling entrepreneurs. 
So you, I think any any niche I went for, I'd have to be able, um, it'd have to be something I, I feel passionate about. Yeah, and it's hard for me because I am naturally very a simple person and don't own a lot of stuff. You're a, you're a simpleton and a cynic. Yeah, i.e. a valet tray. This- so <laughs> I don't need a valet tray. I don't need many things in my life. So it's hard for me to be like, here's a cool product that I would like. You really, you live life as a minimalist. Well, yeah. Yeah. Saying, I'm simple is not I'm, quite. No, you know what? I live a simple life. I'm not a simple man. I forget. Oh, God. It was a great uh, phrase we had to learn in Latin. And it was depending on like how you translated it, because it was like the words sort of overlapped in meaning. And it was it, the correct way is, I'm a simple man. I call a tub a tub. And but if you an alternate translation of that was I am a simpleton, I say tub tub, <laughs> which it so it kind of works either way. <laughs> Hold up. We'll hear more after this quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Simpler, a new way to staff 24 seven sales and customer service on your Shopify store. It works with your existing email and chat tools. So setup is quick and easy. Simpler provides on demand US based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat with 24-7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I. And now back to the show. Hit me. Uh, next question is from Grace Drucky, who writes, on the last podcast, Paul talked about the importance of mobile UX. To go deeper into this, what on the turbo theme should be tweaked to make a better mobile experience? I was going to look into that, and then you declared we need to record this podcast now, so I didn't have time. I'll tell you right now, <laughs> the, the, the one super common tweak we make is for that slideshow. So someone who has a hero image or a slideshow as the first thing on their homepage, and you, you need essentially like a, a 16 by 9, a letterbox looking one for desktop, but then it tries to shrink that down on mobile. Well, on mobile, you want something either square or closer to square. So more or almost times, a little more skyscrapery. Yeah, on or, mobile. Yeah, yeah. More times than we can count, uh, you've modified the theme settings so that there is a separate option um, to upload different images for desktop and mobile. Yeah, but that's not uh, that's not within their reach right now. That's a that's a straightforward customization. You could get someone like. Store tasker, hey Carson, to do. True, true. I'm sure, true. you could find someone to do this to you for a hundred bucks. You're today. right. I'm sure most of the things that she would like tweaks is not tweaks that they'd be able to make themselves. Yes. I don't know. I wish I had more, but Kurt didn't let me <laughs> look at it. The well, I mean, we could bring it up again on a, in two weeks. <laughs> that off uh, off the top of my head, that's the only one layout wise. Usually, it's like frustrations around homepage above the fold. And it's going to be like how that hero image, that hero section breaks itself down. Um, but also, like with the any Shopify theme, if there's something you don't like about a layout, that for a front end developer is usually readily easy to fix. Yeah, for a few hundred bucks. Yeah. So if like you're like this is killing me, just pay somebody to fix it. I mean that's the thing. You know that's kind of um for a long time that's been the bread and butter of our work. I mean we're not doing a ton of custom theme setups for people. What we're a lot of the work that we do is installing turbo and doing 10 or 12 store specific changes that the client wants in, you know, according to their niche or niche or according to their own like preferences. So, I mean, it's 
readily available. It's easy. And Shopify agencies do it all the time. Yes. Honestly, one of the things you should do is run Hotjar. You use the free account or pay the 40 bucks for the the business version. I'll be the guy I was last week. Just pay the 40 bucks because the value you'll get out of Hotjar is worth way more than 40 bucks. Well, and the difference is what the free version only collects data from a small percentage of your visitors. So it takes way longer to gather the data. And so Whereas you, for 40 bucks, it gathers it from 100%. Okay, yeah. Then just, just freaking pay the 40 bucks. Yeah. No, yeah, Hotjar is very inexpensive for the value it provides. Buy so, seven less coffees. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So what you do is run a scroll map on mobile on your homepage and then figure out, okay, how far down this page are we getting? If wherever you get to where it's like 75% of people only made it this far, just get rid of everything after that. Yeah. It's not doing anything. It's just load time yeah. that no one sees. And everyone's obsessed with page speed and load time. Okay. Load less stuff. It will load faster. That, that's the thing. They're always like trying to find little ways to do it. And it's just like. Uh, why don't you just delete a bunch of stuff? Yeah, get rid of a bunch of images, undo these stupid apps. There you go. It will load way faster. You want to really test it? Upload a clean, untouched version of Turbo to your store. Pop that preview theme into your page test tool, whatever it is. I like Pingdom tools. And compare that to your site with all of the content jammed into it. You will be surprised at the difference. Yeah. You know, it's like me. You're always like, um, Paul's the king of video editing. He can get the video down to like stream well on your page. Most of the time, it's like, yeah, this video doesn't need to be 1080p. I'm going to make it about uh, one-third of that size, just in terms of the actual resolution of the video. Because no one's going to see it that big. No one's watching it on their TV. So it's like, that's how you save most of the space. Just get rid of it. And the interesting thing about video is because it's in motion, like hard, sharp, like fine clarity becomes significantly less important. Yeah. So yeah, most of it's like, when I'm, if I'm converting something for web, I'll just do 720p. Like, stop uploading 4K. Oh, I actually look and see. I'm just like, what's the biggest this video will ever be? And then, uh, you know, given the dimensions of the page and, like, you know, the gutters on the side and all that, and it's like I immediately knock it down to there before I start worrying about quality. Okay. So you get a de- you look at where it's going, yeah. and you know this is the max width of the container yeah. or height. All right, let's set that as our standard. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. It's a, a data-driven approach to it. Scott Sutherland says, what content should go on the homepage? I always find this the hardest page to design. Should the value prop be the hero image headline? Number one, please refer back to uh, one of our, our top five episodes, building the perfect homepage, in which we really we walk through this and we look at some of our, our favorite client stores as well as major e-commerce stores. We look at like Amazon, Walmart, Target to break it down. Um, so I would, I would encourage you to refer back to that that discussion on this, but what content should go on the homepage? Show me all of your in-stock bestsellers. You could do up to 48. Why not? Let them browse through a catalog, have a social proof element and have uh, some of your story. And then we need a, a quick positioning statement or value proposition or some bold statement, just something to get my attention as the hero. Well, image. It's like something to tell you what it's for. Yes. Like I've been thinking that makes me think back to, you know, when we talked about the Bethesda store, um, who is a, a video game publisher, they, the homepage on the Bethesda store is almost just a collection listing. They do have a hero image, but other than that, it's literally a collection listing of bestsellers and like how much I loved that because also most of the stuff it sells is like t-shirts or like other kind of tchotchkes. And it's like, you don't need to have the value proposition for a t-shirt. Everyone knows right. what a t-shirt is. 
depending on what you're selling, that is going to alter the kind of extra stuff you need to have that isn't specifically product focused on your homepage. So like before we were talking about if I'm selling my uh, if I'm selling my watch band accessory that I invented, I got to explain to you that this is a watch band accessory. What's it for? Why is it good? You know, all that sort of stuff. You know, that needs to come across on the homepage. Whereas if I'm just selling T-shirts, just throw the T-shirts up there. You don't need any more of a value proposition than that. Here's cool T-shirts. Yeah, the if I wanted my bare bones successful homepage. So this goes back to, you know, should this homepage be a squeeze page? And the next question uh, from Malik Madassar asks, is Hero a must? All right, let's use the T-shirt example. So like that Bethesda store. Yeah. My... My MVP homepage for a successful homepage for the Bethesda store would literally be a headline, and we could make the headline social proof. It could be like a really powerful, quippy quote from a review that you know about that speaks to the the product or value proposition. So now I've got my positioning, my headline, and my uh, social proof all in one single one line sentence at the top of the page. Yeah, followed by. The trending now, and bam, here's just 48 in-stock products sorted by bestseller. And then after that, as a safety net, here is um, sign up for our newsletter. Or even do it as a pop-up would be even better. Mm-hmm. There. That is my my minimum viable homepage. Yeah. And like I said, that's I think, I think that is uh, product dependent on what you're selling. Yeah. Like pop-off leather, I don't think pop-off leather can get away with that. Because pop-off le- leather is in a lot of different niches. They got wallets. They got, like, cool leather koozies. They have valet trays. They have... I mean, they're all of a kind. They all sort of go together, but it's not specifically one type of item. And, you know, I think when you're selling a leather good, you got to go off a little bit on how nice your leather is. Yeah, there needs to be some explanation as to why I should care. And I so they're, like, you're communicating value proposition, benefit, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's so it's and it also depends on does the well, how much education does the product require? Yeah, that's what I was getting yes, at with my access, with question. my accessory idea. You got to tell like they already bought the thing. I got to tell them how my thing is going to make their iPhone better. Yes. Or how to make their Osmo Pocket better. Like your painter problem is like need a tripod for your Osmo Pocket and then a review from some from the Verge or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that. That's a pretty good example. And is that, I think that covers that question, both those questions. Our final question today comes from Kim Otterburn of Welsh Otter. She says, you mentioned the importance of building an email list in a recent podcast. Any practical ideas for how to get people to sign up? Give them a coupon code. Coupon code. Uh, this is where you want your, your pop-up game needs to be strong. Like, that's it. Just be like, want 20% off your first order? Sign up. Yeah. Like, that's... Lord, let's just be mercenaries about this. And if we want this to work really well, here's the one I, I set up that works really well uh, for the contract shop. So if you go on the homepage, um, and I think it's triggered by scroll and exit, it o- pops open and says, do you, want a, uh, do you want a discount on your first order? Yes, no. And then it says in like little, it's like, yes, but there's a catch. And when you click yes, it changes to a new page that says, we told you there'd be a catch, but it's really simple. We need your email address. Put in your email address, Third page, bam, unique, dynamically generated coupon code. And that's it. And it works. Yeah. It will always work. People always want free stuff. 
so I think um, having, I think the, the pop-up is the best way to collect emails. A discount offer or some kind of freebie is a great way to collect the emails. And, but just having like that single one screen pop-up, I don't think it's going to cut it anymore. I like this. I, I, they perform better when you do that, like the multi-step yes, no. That's surprising to me. Because yeah. it requires more actions. I'm all I'm all about reducing actions. But it the initial action is so simple, to, and it's to get you, it's to get the momentum to get them to actually enter their email address. I think that's that's the magic. Whereas any pop up that opens that just like give me your email, uh, you almost reflexively close it. Well, that's why you make the twenty percent really big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to get crazy, you could do like a timer on it. But oh, that's shitty. Yeah. The urgency-inducing timers work, but you have to be—you have to use it sparingly. You have to be careful. That's where I like doing the um, the shipping countdown timer. But it's so de- like that's entirely dependent on you have a fulfillment process where you could guarantee shipping that day. Yeah, a shipping countdown timer is like order within the next three hours, and your product will be shipped today. Which you know Amazon has on their store, and I'm sure the day Amazon added that, their conversion rate shot up. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I'll link to uh, ShipTimer, the app, our app that does that as well. All right, so on this topic, we have a, another question here about homepage. Alexander Babich asks, when you own a brand, should your homepage be an immersive branded experience which is designed to trigger emotional responses and give people that very rich experience? Or should it be like a long-form sales page, being that you talk very clearly about the benefits of your products and shipping times you offer, returns experience, etc.? Can you do both? Of course you can do both. I don't know why there's now two questions, maybe three questions in here, where it's these things are viewed as mutually exclusive. Just the phrase immersive branded experience puts shivers down my spine. Because <laughs> yeah. that's like that to me is like a store homepage where it's like you load the page and it's like gray and then slowly words emerge where it's like the greatest iPhone case ever and then there's like a little arrow that appears that's like scroll down and you gotta like scroll down and there's like a photo of a angelic woman on a beach and it that slowly fades in and then more things fade it's like fucking kill me yeah a a branded experience this is designers engaging in self-love yeah exactly it's like well i've been here about 20 seconds i don't know what the hell you're selling so far this is good and sites like that are always i the first thing i do is load up uh uh, page speed. I want to see how big is this thing, because I guarantee there's no way it's when you see a site like that, it's never under 20. Megs. Oh no way, it's not 20 megs because you know we got to have our like, uh, we got to have like a giant 4K photo of a beach that's like in the background that's parallax scrolling. Tell me two things. Tell me why I should care. Tell me why I should buy. And so it's going to be is it brand story? There's a there's someone who has a framework. Um, I think it's brand story. They have a, a framework for teaching you. Here's how to share your story in a way that people actually care. So I, you want that for you want that story, but then you also want the the nuts and bolts, which is really objection busting. So it's here's social proof, so that like this is not just something we're making up. It's not fly by night. Other people have purchased and actually received their product, and stuff like return policy. You know what happens if I don't like it. And a lot of, like, the place to look for brands that do this well, that have the long-form homepages, sales pages, are going to be tech brands that are trying to invent a category. So, like, off the top of my head, there's someone that makes a 
fitness tracker ring, and that's like is a ring you would wear in your finger, and that's the whole thing. Motive ring. I'll include this in the show notes. It's mymotive.com, and it's it does exactly what he's describing. It's like an immersive brand experience, and but there's a lot of objections there. Like, how does this thing work? What if it doesn't fit? So they answer all of those questions, and they have a really nice email opt-in that pops up. Um, it's a full page thing that says a 360 degree view of your health starts while you're asleep experience the comfort comfort your email learn more so it's just that's still their their value proposition but they're speaking notice they're talking entirely to your health your asleep experience the comfort enter your email none of it's like here at Acme Widget Corp. Here we, at Motive Ring, yeah. we decided that we needed a ring that solved our problems. So like, no. welcome to our website. Yeah. Ugh. That's like kiss of death. That's probably one of the most common issues I see with, with positioning, marketing, and copywriting in Shopify stores is it's written entirely from the merchant's perspective. Yeah, it's like, are you having Krusty the Clown come out to cut a giant ribbon on your website? <laughs> welcome. Grand opening. Yeah. No, don't do that, please. Motive's a very good example of this. So it, it's got social proof. It's it's everything that people are asking, like, which, do I do this or do I do that? It's all of it in one. I think the running theme here is stop overthinking it uh, and, yes. like, just do it. I mean, listening to this podcast, go back and listen to our homepage one, and I think we've realized it's like, as long as you hit, you know, the big four or five things that keep coming up, you're fine. Like this whole thing where it's like, well, does it need to be a squeeze page or does it need to be a brand experience or does it need to have this? And it's just like, no, it's like, just do the five things. You're, you're fine. You got other stuff to worry about after that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think that there is, there's a lot of overthinking, but it's, and overthinking is a hundred percent a kind of procrastination. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw in an Instagram story from Ramit Sethi again was, I mean, he was, he screenshots people's comments and he's like, these are just excuses. Just get out of your own way. The questions, the research, the, it's just procrastination. At some point, you need to stop accepting bullshit from yourself. Yeah. It's sort of like, well, this needs to be better and I've decided the way for it to be better is like weeks worth of work. So it's like, and well, I can't do the week's worth of work right now, so I guess I can't do anything. Until two random dudes in Skokie, Illinois, give me the validation that I should do that. It's like, just stop worrying. It's like, and if you want to, like, make a change, I don't know, change it, and see, see what, what happens. happens. Like, what, if you're asking me, hey, should I do this or that? The only reason I know which you should do is because I've tried it. Yeah. I've tried it, and I've seen, okay, this is the, this version generally works best. But again, it's going to depend on the audience of the product and the brand. It's like, I don't know. Do you think you need a squeeze, squeeze page? Why don't you just set one up and then email a bunch of your people using Klaviyo, email half your audience using Klaviyo, and send them the squeeze page. See how it performs. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Nailed it. It's like, why are we talking about this? Just do it. I think the, yeah, the ultimate lesson here is, oh my gosh, please just try things. That is the only way you're going to get ahead. It's just try things and see, if, see what happens. I guarantee nothing happens if you just sit around asking about it. Yes. Yeah. I, that... Let's wrap it up there. That we're done. All right. <laughs> Call today. Uh anything any closing thoughts? Uh we get at, we're getting asked about the new flex theme a lot oh. in the group uh from out of the sandbox. Uh we are excited to sink our teeth into it. We haven't had the chance yet. We need someone to pay us to install flex on their store because us just screwing around with it in the office it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not going to give us the insight we need. We need to use it in the wild. Yeah, we need rub we need the rubber to hit the road. We got to see how it performs, how it needs to be tweaked, you know, that sort of stuff before we could tell you what we think about it. 
So someone pay us to install it on their store and we'll do it. You know, I've got, uh, I have a lead on a, a wonderful brand with a, a altruistic mission who's thinking about uh, redoing their store and looking at Flex. And they've got a big catalog. I think Flex is perfect for this. So I've, I think we, got, we have an opportunity to try Flex for a store that could really benefit from it. Great. Fabulous. So certainly when we do that, I will share my thoughts. And we will always need questions, topics, and suggestions for our next episode. Uh, so join our Facebook group, Unofficial Shopify Podcast. Search for it on Facebook. Join that group. Uh, every two weeks, I post up and ask, hey, we need, we need your questions and topics if people comment. And, or just reply to any of my emails. I've, I got a text file on my desktop. Any question people send me, copy, paste it in there. And then Paul and I uh, pick them uh, at the, before we record. So... Very good. Let's leave it there. Great. Kurt, out! Big news from our friends at Out of the Sandbox this month. Their newest theme just launched. It's called Flux. And it's for those of us who loved all the bells and whistles in Turbo, but thought, I need more of this. That's where Flex is a game changer for you. It can be configured in an endless number of ways, thanks to more layout and section options than ever, more granular control of settings, and easy addition of custom CSS through the theme editor. It's perfect for development agencies like ourselves, as well as e-commerce entrepreneurs like you looking to create a unique online store experience for your customers. Now here's the coolest part. Flex has a new Demo Shop Import feature that allows you to fast-track your shop setup based on any of 12 demo shops. You get all of the theme settings, layouts, content, and sections used in that demo shop of your choice applied automatically to your store. You can check Flex out right now at outofthesandbox.com. And if you like it, take 20% off the purchase price when you use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's outofthesandbox.com and code PODCAST20. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high-quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.